Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter Blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of the glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. And if you're like me, you're glued twice as much because not only are you doing your nine to five day job, but you're also podcasting and doing other things. Our exposure to digital light has soared and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Back to the Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxter's and we know you will feel the difference. Before we get started on today's episode of Breaking Through Glass Ceilings, I want you guys to know that this episode will be brought to you by Symphony of Balloons. As we know, the world is starting to open up, and last year we was doing everything virtually. This year we'll be doing everything in person, whether it's a wedding, it's a celebration, you know, baby shower, graduation, anything, any event you are having, this is the company you want to hire from balloon bouquets balloon garlands grass wall flower wall sequin wall balloon collars pipe and drapes this is the company symphony of balloons so make sure that you visit them on facebook at symphony of balloons make sure you follow on instagram at symphony of balloons and be sure to tell them that brian h waters sent you now, let's get ready for today's episode of Breaking Through the Glass Ceiling. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Breaking Through the Glass Ceilings. I'm your host, Brian H. Waters. There's been a lot going on this week. And I said, when this happened, it's time for me to talk about it. So, in the world of sports, there's been an issue. There's been an issue going on for years. You have what we used to enjoy, former sports writers who busted their tails, you know, writing columns or writing articles, reporting the news, have now shifted and really become talking heads and they participate and engage in a lot of debates. That's on one end. On the other end, here recently, especially during this pandemic, you have athletes, I should say former athletes, deciding, hey, you know what? I want to do a podcast. A lot of them don't have communications degrees, but, you know, they want to do a podcast. They want to talk their stuff. And in these cases, what happens is it Gilbert Arenas in particular says when they talk to each other, they give each other the real per se, 
where if they was on the first take, they keep things political. And for the people like the young journalists or maybe the seasoned journalists who's done things by the book or maybe the mid-career journalists, it kind of makes it harder for them because if they don't come out with a shock jock mentality and instead they choose to, you know, report what they see, discuss what they see and not create a narrative, puts them in a bad situation, puts them in a bad place. And now what happens is you start to see these narratives created and it puts a bug in people's ear. And now all of a sudden what happens? Players start to lose money. Now, y'all may be saying I'm crazy. Brian H., that's not the case. Well, what brought me to this conversation, because I actually have been talking about this. Shout out to my friend, Ashley Baker. Been talking about this for months. I said, Ashley, you know, I'm really sick of these debate shows. It's one thing to have a show. And you have two people engage in debate. Because look, my friends, this is what they do. They get on their shows. They talk. You make your point. You make your point, And you go from there. We all do it. But it's another thing when you're making these points and you're saying it as if it's a fact. And it, as if you're some sort of authority figure. And you don't get all the facts. I look at what transpired this past week. Kwame Brown. He woke up. He reacted. Sunday. I was out. And I was, you know, on Instagram. And I saw Matt Barnes post about Kwame Brown. I heard what you said. Look, man, we don't want to have no interest in uh, having you on the show. So when he tagged him, I was like, well, what did Kwame Brown say? Kwame Brown never talks. So long story short, y'all know what happened if you were there. Kwame Brown responded. You know what? I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired. Y'all keep talking about me and y'all saying all this stuff. Let me come on the show. They didn't want him. And after that, he kept talking and talking. For those who do not know, Kwame Brown, the free wine, was drafted in 2001 by the Washington Wizards. First overall pick, first pick in history to be drafted number one overall right out of high school, if I'm not mistaken. And this was a big deal because... This is the first pick of president of basketball operations, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was also considering it just this time. Well, he was getting ready to make a comeback. He was going to play for the Wizards. He had to make them into a team. Now, according. No, before I get there, everybody 
makes jokes about Kwame Brown. Oh, such and such. Oh, he like Kwame Brown. Oh, he a bum like Kwame Brown. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. When this when Kwame Brown was drafted, I went to my NBA Live 2001 video game. I created him and a few of the other players in that draft. And I remember, shout out to my god brother, Mike Plater. I say, yo, Kwame Brown about to be my guy. Didn't know nothing about him. But full disclosure, um, in high school, ninth grade year for me, there was somebody in my class who had claimed Tyson Chandler. They did their homework on him. They read up on him. Said, oh, yeah, Tyson Chandler's the man. And I said, oh, that's pretty cool. For me, I said, you know, I like this Kwame Brown guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't know much about it. Didn't see him play. But I was going to root for him. And after a while, I was like, all right, you know. But what I saw was when he was saying all the stuff, the first round. I said, okay. You know what? He got a point. He brought up the fact that Michael Jordan is something nobody has never talked about. Michael Jordan wanted to trade him for Elton Brand. Elton Brand was the rookie of the year, co-rookie of the year in the year 2000 with Steve Francis. Michael Jordan wanted to trade. But Abe Poland, the owner of the Wizards, said no. Now, if you know any history, you do know that Michael Jordan... After he left, um, after he stepped down for president of basketball operations so that he could play because he couldn't do both, he thought he was going to get a piece of ownership of the team. That was his goal. And then they backed out of it. Gilbert Arenas even says in many podcasts that Abe Poland told him, I need you to get me out of this Jordan drama. This Jordan fiasco. And you do that, I'll look out for you. And basically saying he needed the Jordan stink off of him. Jordan had got the Wizards to the, I don't, I don't he might have got him to the playoffs. Or maybe he didn't, but I know he was kind of old. He was still dropping buckets, but clearly he wasn't the Michael Jordan in Chicago. Abe Poland wanted to get out of that. Gilbert Arenas comes in. And when he comes in, you know, obviously becomes the star of the team. Something else that was said that really made me thinking about this, that Kwame Brown said this couple of things. He said Michael Jordan was telling him or telling folks that his hands was too small, even to the point when he got traded to the Lakers. They looked at him. Gary Vitti, the legendary trainer, said, oh, your hands are not too small. And he said he even blamed the sports writers, said because they were buddy buddy with Michael Jordan. They wasn't going print the information those sports writers michael wilborn stephen a smith two people who what do they do they're in debate shows they talk hits. y'all remember i know michael wilborn is a legend in the game but let's not act like he didn't say some ignorant stuff about sean taylor let's not act like that didn't happen stuff that had everybody upset because he was basically saying he alluded to the fact that maybe Sean Taylor's ways and street ways is what got him killed when that clearly wasn't the answer. We all know Stephen A. Smith comes off and people say screaming A. Smith. And he says, you know, why do people say this? Look, 
he'll run down his credentials and i agree with him okay yeah stephen a smith we know we know we know he used to be a crime reporter worked for the philadelphia inquirer was the first black columnist or something over there graduated from an hbcu what have you here's what i can tell you though and he's been called out on this and not that he quote unquote has to but let's just call it facts kwame brown even said it what is he doing what is he doing to help the community my good friend Kelsey Nicole Nelson had LeVar Ball on her show. And LeVar even said it. Stephen A. Smith ain't sitting up there offering internships. And Kwame Brown kept saying, I tried to beat the black man down. He brought up Gilbert Arenas. He even said, well, Gilbert, he goes back and forth. And he omits the fact that he told the coach, Kwame's in my way. Kwame Brown's in my way and or maybe he even said it but regardless of what that took millions of dollars out of his pockets and people argue me and, and this is one of those things that you're either against Kwame Brown or you're not or you're just sitting back and you're laughing at the whole situation and I can come up on my seat you're sitting back laughing at the whole situation but the main thing with people not listening like he said Everybody wants to talk about this. Why aren't they bringing up the fact that Michael Jordan, they say he killed his confidence. Couldn't Michael Jordan, didn't he have the stroke to really punish Kwame Brown because he couldn't get his way? Nobody looks at that. He keeps, you know, so there's been the back and forth with him and Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. And that's been entertaining, you know, but. He, he called out Charlemagne the God, if that's what Charlemagne tends to call himself. And one of the things he said was, as far as Charlemagne was concerned, he said, this guy has a platform, but he's sitting up there speaking about stuff he don't know about. He said, oh, yeah, you, you don't mess with Carmi Brown because he got killers in his family. Again, creating these narratives. Okay, you things you can read stuff and say, okay, this is the facts, or this is what you know. But if you don't talk to that person, you don't know the whole story. And Kwame Brown, I believe, alluded to the fact that he didn't grow up with them. You know, and, and it, either way, what I interpret is those people don't have an influence on his life. Um, I listened to him discuss this and. Like I said, it took me back to what I've been saying about these debate shows. And people don't understand that they have the power. When you create a narrative, if somebody says something and then somebody else repeats it and then somebody else repeats it, that narrative is out there. People created a narrative about Steph Curry being washed. And what happened? <laughs> the guy is potentially this year's NBA MVP. But people created that narrative. People said Tom Brady was washed. And what happened? He won the Super Bowl. And what irritates me about these shows is, and this is why I stopped making it appointment viewing television, is because you do have people who come on here and they talk with such great authority. As if they're so good. Now, it is one thing to say this person is a bum 
and they just completely I don't you know it's one thing to say compared to this person this person's a bum but like most people say if you make the league in any professional sport if you make the league in any professional sport you're not a bum you're not a bum at all you know it's just that you may not be as good as the rest there's levels to this so i always have an issue when people sit up there and they make these bold statements calling these athletes bums and they have you to believe as if they're so great or they did great things now like I said, I know I, I did say something earlier about, you know, you have athletes and everything doing these podcasts. And it's like, okay, it's all good and fine. It does does it take away from the people who put into this craft? Yeah, it does. That's a whole nother conversation. It makes people like me and my friends have to work harder because people naturally will gravitate towards athletes. I also think they could hire more black people. Shout out to Kevin Durant. Nobody gives him credit, but you know, he has a podcast, but he's working with a guy who was a writer. Uh, who's boogie buzzes on Twitter, a guy who was a writer who has, you know, done this working with a fellow black person. Do these podcast companies, have black people producing their content. That's another uncomfortable conversation coming later. But I honestly do. I start to think I look at this and I do. Th- I understand general managers are supposed to do their homework. I understand people are supposed to do that. This is their job. But like I said, this narratives it has an influence. Um, recently on the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast, Joy Taylor, shout out to Joy. She had Marcus Thompson. Shout out to Marcus, member of NABJ, wrote an article, uh, wrote a biography on Steph Curry. He revealed something. He said, with the NBA Finals and NBA Finals MVP, you get your, you know, the time to cast your ballot right in the fourth quarter or right after the deciding game. And he said, usually you got to hurry up. Now, if y'all remember an episode I had earlier, um, this, well, in season three, was it season two? Season two with John Jerv. John Gervais, my bad. I call him Jerv, that's all. He said, those games, you're trying to book your flights. You know, the game over, and then, you know, and sometimes you're trying to, you got to rebook your flights. But most of the time, you have your flight booked. But so much that's going on. And one of the things Marcus said was that when they make their picks, a lot of times, you are going with the narrative, you know, so oh, this person did this. I got to go with this person, yada, yada, yada. You know, I think that's how Andre Iguodala got MVP. People looked at him like, well, he, he did stop LeBron, yada, yada, yada. 
And that's the thing people are not paying attention to. So why wouldn't somebody like Stephen A. Smith who gets on TV every day screaming and yelling? You got somebody like Max Kellum, Skip Bayless. These people get on TV. Shannon Sharp, all of them, right? I'll just name those four because let's be, let's be real. I mean, there's a lot of debate shows, but the main two people really talk about first take and undisputed. And people get on these shows and they start spilling these narratives. They create these narratives, these stories, and it has an influence because don't y'all believe that general managers have a council? So if there's a council, then these debate shows, who's watching them? Sports fans, sports employees. I think I just figured out the name of the show too. (laughs) Debate shows have more influence than you think. And so when I listen to Kwame Brown and I will listen to him pretty much go off on almost any and everybody, I thought he made a lot of valid points. The man been sitting there for 20 years, ain't been bothering nobody. Now, he has a YouTube channel. Like I said, when I looked at it, it was about 1,000 subscribers and I joined over 50,000 subscribers. And I'm one of the people who, you know, check it out. Hey, what did Kwame say recently? You know, he's been going off on people like Charlemagne, Stephen A. Smith, Rachel Nichols, Jamel Hill, Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson. One of the things he said is that people were always quick to turn down the black man, the black athletes, but you don't see that too much in the MLB or the NHL. These guys do stuff wrong. He even brought up the fact that um, the dude from the Seattle uh, Seahawks, how he should have been, you know, people stopped talking about what he did. You know, is this guy even in jail? You know, I talked about that on an uncomfortable conversation. But I do think these debate shows have more influence than you people think. Because what happens is these people get on this, build these crazy narratives. And, and like I said, I shout out to the great professor at Morgan State University. The one and only Mr. Milton Kent. Professor Kent used to, you know despise these shows when we was in school and I didn't understand I didn't at the time and I thought about it and I'm publicly going to apologize right here to Professor Kent because I see what you mean you know Professor Kent is a world-renowned he wouldn't admit this but he's a world-renowned journalist somebody who is well-respected and I wish I didn't get a chance to take his sports class because by that time I had already had the sports writing class by a professor named Professor Frank Brown, who I don't know where he is. He like disappeared after he left Morgan. I hope he's doing well, but he was a great professor. But Professor Kent, the way I heard my friends take his class, he gave you a beat. You had to choose a school, a high school, because why? Because that's where you start off when you get into this business. And he said, you're going to choose a high school and you're going to own that beat. And he taught you how to be a sports reporter. I missed out on that. But one of the things I have, he was my advisor. So I got a chance to pick his brain about a lot of things. I got a chance to hold a lot of great sports conversations. And it wasn't a trash debate. It was an engaging conversation. He was teaching me 
the business, helping me to learn about different things. And I'll always appreciate him for that. And, you know, grateful. And, and I wish people would understand. And now I see why. Because he would say people want to come in and they just want to talk sports. But they don't want to understand, okay, how to cover a game. How to, you know, watch the game, right? You know, cover the stats. Get the story of the game. You know, ask the right questions. They just want to talk. This barbershop talk that people engage in just now <laughs> goes out. You know, that's, it's become public public television i look at clubhouse and um one of the things i enjoy is shout out to daniel artes with him you know it's all like him and his crew of basketball uh people in the daniel artes network it's engaging conversation and intelligent talk daniel was somebody who played you know pro basketball overseas so, you know, he'll tell you, you know, bums in the NBA and, and people like to say this narrative. And I know I'm saying now, look, in wrestling. Yeah, you can sit up there and say, man, this guy's a bum or that one is. And the difference is because you can be a bum in pro wrestling and make it. All you got to do is have the right look or have the right, um, you know, have the right look or know the right person talent you know because it's also a predetermined sport so you can make somebody look good basketball you gotta be able to know how to play baseball football all the sports you gotta know how to play them and that's what i look at i'm like so do these people you know and and people just sit up there on twitter machines on their instagrams and they say these things and this is what i'm saying so this narrative that kwame brown has small hands partnered with the fact that Gilbert Arenas had the coach kind of limit his offense, cost him a couple million dollars. I think he said he could have got $100 million or something. He just had to average a certain amount. And that's another thing, because when these narratives are created, you know, coaches start coaching differently, people start going differently, or even other players. A lot of times, even... um. Victor Cruz said when it comes to football, coaches find out, or oh, coaches and GMs get together, say, all right, remove that person from the game plan because they're near that bonus, you know? And you don't think, which I don't understand is, yeah, people can be feeding stuff. People got sources. These sources are telling a lot of people, hey, put this out there, put that out there. Creating a narrative, folks. So whether you like to admit it or not, these debate shows are creating more narratives than you think. I promise you that. I promise you. So I'm interested to hear what y'all have to say about this. Like I said, it's very, it's upsetting, to be honest with you. And it's really upsetting to see a black men on television really bash a lot of black athletes. You know, I think the only white athlete that really got bashed was uh, Jay Cutler. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure some more, but you see this, especially when it comes to basketball talk, you see a lot of the black athletes getting talked down upon. You hear about them being put down, 
and again costing them money. Kwame Brown went on to say, like, you know, he even said that Stephen A. Smith admits he said his white daddy, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. Because Stephen A. Smith said he got some information from Tim Legler and somebody else. And his whole thing was, why didn't you research it yourself? Stephen A. Smith said, you know, well, the information came from, you know, people I trust, the experts in the game. So let me know what y'all think. I'm at Brian H. Waters. We get a lot of heat. Like I said on Twitter, there was some comments. Shout out to my boy, Omar. Shout out to my boy, Jared. They said, you know, they disagree. They pretty much think I'm crazy with these. this. They don't think that they think they's like, come on now. GMs are smart. They're doing their homework. They're not paying attention to these shows. Like I said, I believe GMs have council members and people say, hey, check this out. Check that out. Hey, well, you know what? Stephen A. Smith says such and such. Like I said, even if it's not just one person, if they're listening to the majority of the talk. You know, and then the general managers can do the signing. Players got to uh, play. Coaches got to coach. That's what I mean. So if you got the coaches and you got these narratives created. And you got the other players. Now nah, coach, we ain't passing to him. He a bum. He only do this, this, that, never. Like I said, I would, I probably it, it would validated my thinking was when Kwame Brown said those small hands. So everybody kept saying he has small hands. Now I met him. Now I'm, uh, I saw him at Best Buy years ago. I was working there. I was walking. I was, oh, that's Kwame Brown, and he gave me like the what's up. I ain't, you know, dude, six nine, six ten. I, I ain't looking at his hands, but from I, I just, I don't know. I, I just think that a lot of the stuff has gotten out of hand. It's kind of played out. Like, let's be real, y'all. Y'all ain't tired of first take and undisputed. Like, how much more can this? How long? How much long can this continue? Seriously, you know. And, 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 and you know, I got a whole issue. Like, and Stephen A. Smith used to be one of the people I liked a lot, but I, I, I listened to him, especially when he talked about Jamel Hill and Michael Smith and, and their departures, and I believe Kerry Champions. And basically, he was, it sounded like what he was trying to say is, don't forget who pays you. Stay in your lane. That's what it sounded. That's what I took. And, he probably, and I know he wouldn't say that's what he was saying. He was starting to say as, you know, understand your platform and understand what you can do, but also be careful, whatever. I still think, you know, that he, that's a bigger issue, you know? And like Kwame Brown said, you know, let's start seeing these players and them people do for the community. You know, I say, I want to see more black people on the production teams. I'll tell y'all, that's what I want to see. So, That'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. This episode, I'll break it through. Glass seals, uncomfortable conversations. Y'all know what's coming up soon. Maybe next week. Yeah, maybe next week. I'm going to tell my story. ESPN. Y'all want to know why I left? A lot of people. Some people know. Some people don't. But there's always a question. It's always a question. And people find out, oh, you worked at ESPN? Or if I see somebody, like, let's say... Uh, what year is this? 2011. I mean, 2021. So in three years, that'll be my 20-year high school reunion. 
Guarantee you people say, so why'd you leave ESP? It's one of the most questions I ask. I'm gonna tell my story. Till next time, folks, I'm Brian H. Waters. Make sure you follow me at Brian H. Waters on all social media platforms. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you're in a pro wrestler, subscribe to the Wrestling Realm. Make sure you hit the link. Tell people about this show. And last but certainly not least, I want to give a shout out to Hypnosis. Hypno underscore beats. The music on this show is produced by him. And I'm ever so grateful. Till next time, folks, remember, don't let nobody set up a ceiling that you can't break through.